0: Any non-Marvel, non-DC superheroes? Are there any superheroes that are not Marvel or DC? Maybe the Incredibles? Or maybe some Ninja Turtles? But what about biblical superheroes? Samson probably comes to mind. Or maybe David, who took down Goliath and slayed his tens of thousands? But what about Jesus, who we've been studying these past few months? In this Book of John study, we are now in the final act. In superhero literature, assuming you consider comics literature, this is the final battle. And this is the climax of Jesus' life. So let's see what happens, and let's see how Jesus does as a superhero. We pick up our story in John chapter 18. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. The scene is set, and the bad guys are ready to rumble. Now, it's Jesus' move. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. From the beginning, Jesus does not act as one would expect, as the world would expect. And he, generally, he definitely doesn't act like your typical superhero. The temple guards and the Roman soldiers were armed and ready for resistance. But Jesus was not armed, and he didn't resist. What happened to the epic Armageddon battle scene? Even Jesus' disciple Peter is confused. Jesus had spoken about displacing the corrupt kingdoms of this world with the perfect kingdom of God. But at this critical moment, Jesus wasn't doing anything. So Peter had to take matters into his own hands. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, "'Put your sword away,' Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? During this long anticipated face off, not only does Jesus give himself up without a fight, but he also ends up healing the bad guy's ear. If we were scoring this fight, I think we'd have no choice but to give Jesus negative points for that. But despite Jesus' failure to demonstrate his superpower fighting skills, he does demonstrate his superpower skills predicting what would happen to him. Throughout the book of John, Jesus said that he would die by being lifted up. For example, John 8.28 reads, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. In John 12.31, Jesus Jesus says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. It's easy for us to gloss over this and to think that Jesus is simply talking about being exalted. But there is a deeper meaning to this. If the Jews had executed Jesus, it would have been by throwing him down and stoning him. But God providentially controlled all political procedures to ensure that when Jesus was finally sentenced, it was by it was being crucified by the Romans, thereby being lifted up, and not by being thrown down and stoned by the Jews. So after a sham hearing by the Jewish priests and the Roman governor, Jesus indeed is lifted up and crucified. It's easy for us in the 21st century to skim past Jesus' crucifixion. Many of us have marginalized the cross. We may think of the cross as merely a pretty symbol that we see hanging around someone's neck. As Pastor Kyle Eidelman noted, We are used to seeing the cross as an ornament, decoration or a piece of jewelry but if a first century Jew came in and saw an illuminated cross hanging from our walls they would think we were sick imagine people walking around with a guillotine hanging around their neck or an electric chair dangling from their ears and it appears that crucifixion was invented by the barbarians living at the edge of the known world and then later adopted by the greeks and romans Crucifixion deliberately delayed death until maximum torture had been inflicted, and the victim would suffer for days before dying. Crucifixion was so painful and humiliating that Roman citizens were exempt from it, except in the extreme cases of treason. Cicero called it a most cruel and disgusting punishment. To bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To kill him is almost an act of murder. To crucify him is what? There is no fitting word that can possibly describe so horrible a deed. So Jesus was made to lie on the ground while his arms were stretched out and nailed to the horizontal beam. The beam was then hoisted up along with Jesus and then fastened to the vertical beam. His feet were then nailed to the vertical beam, to which there was a piece of wood that acted like a sort of a support, that, that, or a seat that partially supported the weight of Jesus' body. But this seat was designed to increase and prolong the agony. To breathe, it was necessary to push with the legs and to pull with the arms, creating excruciating pain. Jesus, I'm sorry, John 19.30 says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. To ensure that Jesus was dead, a Roman soldier stuck his spear into Jesus' ribs. Jesus was indeed dead. It appeared that it was game over. Jesus definitely could not be a superhero. But as we know, this was not the end. Three days later, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb where Jesus' body had been taken, and Mary found that the stone at the entrance of the tomb had been removed. Only strips of linen lay where Jesus' dead body had once been Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Like Mary, many of us may be struggling with grief, sadness, In this passage, we see that as Mary wept, she heard Jesus call out to her. And Jesus was right by her side. And in the same way, for those of us who are in tears, who are discouraged, disappointed, maybe even depressed, Jesus is there, right by your side. And Jesus' intimate presence is the answer and hope to your situation. Pastor Tim Keller has written, The notion that the Messiah would suffer made no sense at all because the Messiah was supposed to defeat evil and injustice and make everything right in the world. How could he defeat evil by suffering and dying? That seemed ridiculous, impossible. Keller continues by explaining, On the cross, Jesus is getting what we deserve, so we can get what he deserves. When you see this great reversal is for you, when you see that he gave up all his cosmic wealth and came into our poverty so that you could be spiritually rich, it changes you. Jesus turns tragedy into triumph. Jesus won through losing, and death no longer has its sting. As an aside, some folks claim that there are many ways to get to heaven, that all religions are right. But this assertion is contrary and even outright offensive to Jesus' dying on the cross. If there were another way, why would Jesus, the Son of God, need to suffer, die? So, Given all of this, is Jesus a superhero? There definitely are similarities. Jesus has supernatural powers. He represents good fighting evil. He wins in the end and saves the planet. But generally, superheroes do not die. And if they do die, they generally do not come back to life unless done as a marketing gimmick to increase sales, as we saw with Superman. All superheroes have a weakness, think kryptonite, except for Jesus. In fact, as we just saw, Jesus's perceived weakness was actually his greatest strength. You see, this is what many of the Jews were expecting Messiah to be, more of a superhero like Captain America, a superhero who would do to the Romans what Captain America did to the Nazis, namely, completely pulverize them. We often think that a superhero should be fighting and beating up his enemy, and it turns out that the Jewish people had a similar idea as well. And as we saw, even Jesus' disciple, like, disciples like Peter were confused. Jesus definitely has superpower ability but he doesn't act like your run-of-the-mill superhero. Whether or not Jesus is a superhero, this much is clear. He's so, so much better than all of your superheroes dreamed up by Hollywood. Unlike your average superhero, Jesus is actually real, which is a pretty significant difference. Also, unlike Thor or Catwoman, Jesus can actually change your life. And unlike the Hulk or Wolverine, Jesus is an excellent role model. So, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are able to be everyday superheroes in our lives as well. In fact, some of us already fancy ourselves as superheroes or something pretty close to it. Don't believe me? Take a look. At social media. So here's one. Hi, I'm 16 and I'm publishing three books and an album this year. Do you have any advice on how to handle it best? This is, it's tough to be so talented. And here's another one. Can we start a media campaign to question how I got into Columbia too? This is, I got into another, yet another Ivy League and without even trying. And then here's one of my favorites. A patient grabbed my bicep today and made some comment about muscles. It was a little awkward. Hate it when that happens. Yeah, Neil? No? Okay. (laughs) Just me then. (laughs) This is, uh, I'm a doctor, and I'm buff. So, now, an important clarification. When I say that we are able to be superheroes, I'm not saying that we are supposed to be a cocky Tony Stark or playboy Bruce Wayne. Remember, Jesus was not your conventional superhero that this world manufactures. And we are called to be like Jesus, your not-so-typical superhero. Batman and Superman may have the Justice League. We have the Jesus League. Okay, I know that's a little corny, but it's actually in the Bible, sort of. So throughout the book of John Jesus has spoken about God as the Father and his followers as disciples, servants, and friends. But in John 20:17 Jesus now says to Mary, "Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God." Jesus is calling his followers his brothers. <laughs> and referring to God as my Father and your Father. You see, we've been adopted into God and Jesus' family. And our relationship with God fundamentally changed changed because of the crucifixion and resurrection. And without Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, we have little hope. Albert Camus a French philosopher and an atheist, said that our hearts long for love without parting, but a universe without God gives us only the conscious certainty of death without hope. Conic, I'm, I'm sorry, Camus called this chronic lack of fulfillment the absurd, and he viewed life as being one long black comedy of seeking things out of life that it simply can't provide. On a personal note, some of you are familiar with how my wife Susan and I suffered a number of miscarriages. Finally, in 2010, Susan was pregnant, and throughout the first trimester, we thought that our baby was healthy. However, after the first trimester, we learned that our baby, who we named Peter, suffered from an extremely rare condition called amniotic band syndrome, and therefore had no chance of living. Now, without God, Susan and I would have been completely crushed. It was a little like how the Roman soldiers, after they had beaten Jesus, mocked him with a crown of thorns. How could we lose our baby Peter, especially after we had suffered through so many miscarriages? But God came alongside us during this difficult time and embraced us with what can only be described as a supernatural sense of peace and even hope. We knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was real, that he would provide for us. God had the ultimate victory. As some of you may know, in January of this year, I lost my brother-in-law, James. He was only 47 years old. He left behind my sister and their two children. I don't know what the future holds for my sister, my niece, and my nephew, but I know it's a bright future. From where I stand today, I can't tell you what this might look like. I really. I have no idea, but I do have complete confidence and faith that God will deliv- deliver. He always does. And there's no doubt that I miss James tremendously. And I feel the pain and loneliness of not having him in my life. But because Jesus was crucified and rose again, the hope. And joy from God fills me and overpowers and overwhelms the pain and loneliness that I have. One of the songs that God has used to speak to me during this time of grieving the loss of my brother-in-law is Torrin Wells' Hills and Valley. Torrin has explained that his song was inspired by a quote that he had heard, which says, when you are on the mountaintops of life, learn to bow low. When you are in the valleys of life, learn to stand tall. We all have our mountaintop moments. The birth of a child, winning an award, getting a promotion at work. And we all have our valley moments the loss of a loved one, getting laid off at work, being diagnosed with a terminal illness. But no matter where we stand, we always stand God's grace. He is enough. Indeed, he is more than enough. So because Jesus... Was crucified and rose again, we have an unshakable hope. So, when this world seems darkest and hopeless, remember that God always wins. And this is what we learn about the Easter story God is God on Good Friday as much as He is God on Resurrection Sunday. As Christ's followers, we know that our lives will end in eternity. Jesus died and rose again so that we can eventually do the same. Tim Keller has written, On the day of the Lord, the day that God makes everything right, the day that everything sad comes untrue, on that day the same thing will happen to your own hurts and sadness. You will find that the worst things that have ever happened to you will in the end only enhance Your eternal delight. On that day, all of it will be turned inside out, and you will know joy beyond the walls of the world. The joy of your glory will be that much greater for every scar you bear. So live in the light of the resurrection and renewal of this world and of yourself in a glorious, never ending, joyful dance of grace. We don't know what the future holds. Whether we're talking about years from now, or this afternoon, we really don't know what will happen. But as followers of Christ, we can have a confident faith that we will be fine. Not that we won't face challenges or difficulties, but whatever life may throw at us, we will always be fine. We will always be victorious. Christ's followers are eternally secure, not in our own strength, but in the gracious and constant protection of our loving Savior. Going back to my Peter experience, Susan and I continue to remember January 25th, the day that our son was born and went to heaven. And this is not an entirely sad remembrance. In fact, on the whole, it's actually a positive experience because we, re- we remember God's faithfulness and goodness. Likewise, this is similar to how we remember what is aptly called Good Friday. On that first Good Friday, none of Jesus' disciples could imagine calling it Good Friday. But after the resurrection two days later, it made perfect sense. And in the same way, you may be going through a difficult time, But you can rejoice even in the midst of your trials and tribulations. For even during the darkest moments, our God is moving. And it's kind of like that big game that your team is in. You have a dinner party to go to that night, so you're not able to watch the game live. And despite you telling everyone not to tell you the final outcome, you somehow learn that your team wins in overtime. And so after the dinner party, you rush home so you can watch the game that you've recorded. And even if your team is down big in the first half, you can't wait to see how they come back, win it all. The struggles make the ultimate victory all the more thrilling and fulfilling. And this is how it is with our walk with God. John 16.33 says... I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. but take heart. I have overcome the world. Through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, we have complete confidence that we will ultimately prevail, and not just in the next life, but in this life as well. Romans 8:32 says about God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if God did not spare us his own son, how will he not give us whatever we truly need? So you may be going through your version of Good Friday where something tragic or challenging is happening or you may feel as though it's the aftermath and you're experiencing the stillness, the silence, and the sadness of Saturday, the day after. But be reassured that Resurrection Sunday is right around the corner. And So we are supernaturally empowered in ways that those of this world are not. And this is why we are able to be superpowers our own lives. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And while Superman drew his power from the sun in the sky, we as Christ's followers draw our power from the sun in the heavenlies. The imperfections of Jesus' scars, reveal the perfection of his love for us. And we may bear the scars of what this life has done to us, but may our scars bear testimony to God's faithfulness. And in this way, may our scars, whether the scars of a miscarried child or the scars of losing a beloved spouse, be used to glorify God. So regardless of how Jesus does as a superhero, we know that he is definitely super and he's definitely our hero. He is our savior. He is the son of God. And that's so much better than just being your run-of-the-mill superhero. So let's finally stop trying to be Superman or Wonder Woman. And instead, let's try to be more like the ultimate hero that is super. Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross for us. We ask that you would continue to speak your truth into our lives. We know that we have a choice to make, to keep struggling and trying to be the kind of superhero that this world dreams up, or to follow Jesus and truly live an extraordinary life. Help us to lean not on our own strength, but to tap into your Holy Spirit. We know that we are able to do supernatural things in our life, but it can come only through you. Regardless of the trials we are facing, in you we have a confident hope that the best is yet to come.